Thank you, Juju. Well, what a blessing it is to know that he will, he will see us through any storm and he will carry us all the time. I am just so blessed that Jesus loves me that much. I don't know about you, but he loves me that much. Um, well, 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 we have gotten to the end of our series in the Sermon on the Mount which is entitled Kingdom Ethics, as we continue in the Gospel of Matthew. I have somewhat of a long introduction this morning. (laughs) I warn you that because it's going to be a while before we actually get into the last portion of the Sermon on the Mount. But I just wanted you to make your way over to Matthew chapter 7 and wait for me there. And we will get through it in a bit, okay? We will finish the Sermon on the Mount, this chapter. We will finish it. Even though the, the introduction goes on forever, we will get there. What we have in the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus teaching those who have received or had received but have received here. And so I just want to, if I said had back then, it, it applies to us today, have. So, again, what we have in the Sermon on the Mount is is Jesus teaching those who had received what was preached to them. Okay, the message that was preached to them from John the Baptist and Jesus picking it up as his mantra as well after John the Baptist, the message was repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, those who were now in the kingdom of heaven, were now learning what the kingdom of heaven was all about. And what they were learning at this time, and again, when I'm studying this, I try to go back in time and picture the whole scenario. I had the privilege of being in, in Israel years and years ago, and so, you know, where they think the Sermon on the Mount took place. So my, my little pea brain up here, it goes back and goes, oh, I remember that arena, that area. And so when I'm studying, I'm trying to go back to and being there when all this is happening. But, but these people who are hearing this message from Jesus are going to learn something that they had never, ever heard before. Because again, as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount, there was a lot of things that they had heard throughout their lives, being good Jewish people and having religious leaders. But Jesus is coming on the scene and he is teaching them something that they had never really contemplated before. It would not be so much about the outward, outward actions, although they were still in play, as it would be more about the inward intentions of the heart in people's lives. In in other words, being a part of the kingdom of heaven was not so much what others saw as it was as to what God saw and knew about the person and why they did things in the heart. You see, outwardly, we can do a lot of things, and it looks good all the way around. People going, wow, you look really righteous, really holy. You did those things that were right. But God knows our motives. (laughs) He knows why we do things. 
And the key verse that I believe we have in the Sermon on the Mount is chapter 5, verse 20. And I've shared this time and time again through our study in the Sermon on the Mount, where it says, For I say to you, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. What Jesus has been doing all along in the Sermon on the Mount was bringing this contrast between the scribes and the Pharisees and what they were teaching and doing and what Jesus was now asking of his disciples, those who would follow after him, which he would hold to some different standards, principles, morals, ethics, if you will. Having received the kingdom of heaven here on earth meant that they were now willing to live by a different set of ethics, a different set of standards, principles, and morals. You see, when we made that decision, if you're here, and you've made that, that decision to turn from who you used to be to what you, you, you are now as a Christian, when you made that decision, you, what you were saying is I, I, that you were willing to set aside your own standards your own morals, your own principles, and your own ethics. I'm sure, as I've shared before, if we had our own little kingdom, <laughs> our morals, principles, standards, and ethics would look totally different than what, what Jesus is setting here. Because they're just so hardcore, and we would like be a little bit more lax. And so, <clears throat> having received the kingdom of heaven... You were saying, or you are saying, that you're willing to live different. Oh, I'm sure it was hard, even for those who were hearing it that day. Hearing these ethics, I'm sure they thought we could never live up to something like that. Jesus was not asking them to do something amazing. Jesus was not asking them to do something great or spectacular. That's not what he was asking of his people. Jesus was just asking them to do the practical things, the simple things, and the humble things. And he would be that example. He would do all of that in his life. And later on, he would give them his own spirit to live inside of them. And he says in, 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 in John 14, 12, that because of that, because he was going to his father and he would give them the spirit, he says, and you will do greater things than these. All because of who Jesus is in our life. And again, you got to go back and think like, yeah, but, but, but you see the righteousness that these Pharisees have. And that's what they were looking at. That's what they saw. And you're seeing and hearing what Jesus is saying and you're going, I could never do that. And in and of ourselves, we can't. But through him, we can because the scriptures tell, tells us that. And, and my hope is that when, as we've gone through this series, through the Sermon on the Mount, that you have been able, if you haven't been here for all that time, go back online and, and you can listen to all the series. But my heart is that as you've been hearing this message, 
from the Sermon on the Mount that you've been hearing the heart of Jesus as he has been teaching. You see, there's nothing but red letters here. (laughs) If you have one of those Bibles that have red letters for when Jesus teaches. Out of 111 verses in these three chapters, only four of them are in black letters. The rest are red letters. That means Jesus talks throughout the whole time. And the four verses are the two first ones and the two last ones that we will cover this morning. And this is how personal we are to take this portion of Scripture. The Sermon on the Mount is a very, very personal portion of Scripture and it speaks to you. It speaks to you, it speaks to me. As a believer, as a Christian, as his disciples, as one who would say, I follow, I follow Jesus. The word you is, is used 600 times in the whole Gospel of Matthew, around 600 times. Again, I didn't count them all. I have a computer, and it does that work for me type stuff, right? So about 600 times the word you is, is mentioned in the Gospel of Matthew, and 118 times it is used here in the Sermon on the Mount. And the word your is used 76 times out of 170 times in the entire book, 76 times on the Sermon on the Mount. And so I love the fact that King Jesus is truly making this portion of Scripture personal to us. And we should take it personal. We should take it to heart and want to do it. For those of us who are a part of His kingdom. Now, understand He is not forcing anyone to join His kingdom. He is not demanding those who are not a part of the kingdom, to live by these kinds of ethics. And I've shared this with you before as we've been going through the Sermon on the Mount. It is not right for us to hold the world who doesn't have these standards by these standards. It's not fair for them. Oh, we want the best in people and we want them to be kind and nice and all those things. But he is not teaching this to the world. He's teaching this to the church, to the believer. And so when we have that mindset that this, what we have been learning on the Sermon on the Mount, is for you and me. It's not for the world. Now, when they come into the church and become part of the kingdom of heaven, then Jesus holds them to these standards. It's not up to me to hold you to these standards. You should desire these standards, these morals, these principles for your life. Not because of me, not because of Calvary Chapel, but because of who Jesus is. Amen? Amen. And so it's not fair for us to hold people outside the kingdom of heaven to the standards of the kingdom of heaven. But (laughs) when you come to Christ and you call yourself a Christian and you consider yourself as part of the kingdom, now He expects you. And I will use that word expect. He expects you. To live by these ethics, these standards, these principles, and these morals. And they are not negotiable. They are not. I know oftentimes people go, yeah, but he knows, he knows me personally. and We have this thing going on. It's like, Mm-mm. when people tell me this, <laughs> we have this thing going on. It's like, you're not reading it right. You're really not wanting to submit everything to him. 
Because he's the one that holds these things to us or, or, or on us, not me. And so what we have here, what we've seen here, and the contrast has been, is that there are two kingdoms at play. The earthly kingdom that is ruled by the prince of the power of the air, Satan, and the kingdom of heaven that has come to earth and is made available to us by the king of kings, Jesus. He is King Jesus. All of mankind, every one of us, we would default to the earthly kingdom. And we need to make a conscious decision, a deliberate choice to enter into the kingdom of heaven. You just can't stumble into it. I shared that with you last week. Because it's not something that you just find yourself in the kingdom of heaven. You have to make that decision. And if you've never made that decision, please make it. It's a matter of life and death. What Jesus establishes in the kingdom or or in the Sermon on the Mount is that those who receive the kingdom of heaven are blessed. We are so blessed. We are blessed not because of what we've done, but because of who Jesus is. We are blessed. We are truly blessed. When we can understand that we cannot do anything in and of ourselves and for ourselves. It all depends on who Jesus is in us. We are blessed. That we can never live truly by the law. We can't. And so we need to trust in the one who came and fulfilled the law. He goes on to share that it is now a matter of the heart not, mu- not so much the outward actions, but the inward intentions of the heart that truly matters. And that's what he looks at. And in a sense, Jesus ups the ante when we get to the Sermon on the Mount. He ups the ante in our life. Because when, when he was saying all those things about, well, you've heard it said of old. <coughs> but I say to you, and he always upped it because he expects more from us. That's who he is. We can never be worthy enough of this kingdom. But King Jesus did it all for us. And we get to be his subjects, if you will. (laughs) We get to to be under him. And he does it all for us. And I just love that. And so to be a part of this kingdom, the subjects of this kingdom, you and I, are to emulate the king. Follow after him. And I will tell you, as I've told you before, and I'm sure I'll share it again throughout the Gospel of Matthew, all of this that we have been looking at in the Sermon on the Mount goes against the world. Goes against the grain of this world. But you see, he never said it would be fair or easy, but he did say it would be the best goes against our grain, against every fiber of our being. And so we're just called to do what's practical. Do what's simple and do what's humble. That's the way he's asked us to live. Let's read the whole chapter in its entirety. And we will be covering from verse 21 to the end of the chapter. Judge not that you be not judged. 
For with the judgment you judge, it will be judged. You will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But do not consider the plank in your own eye. Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye. And look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite. First remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eyes. From your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under your, their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks it will be open. Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more? Will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? Therefore, whatever you want men to do to you, do also to them. For this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go by it. Because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Beware of false prophets who come in, who come to you in sheep's clothing. But outwardly, they are ravenous wolves. You will know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, a good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by their fruits you will know them. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven... Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from you, from me, you who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does, not, and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the wind blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rains descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. And so it was, when Jesus had ended these sayings, that the people were astonished at his teaching. 
for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now, because the Sermon on the Mount, the Sermon on the Mount is the Word of God, it is profitable for doctrine. It is profitable for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped in every good work, according to Second Timothy three, sixteen and seventeen. This is the last chapter or in this last chapter jesus is dealing with judging the whole thing is about judging and we are to to judge in righteousness and then we are to pray continually in how to judge righteously and then we are to treat or judge others the way we want to be treated and or judged and so this whole chapter deals with this whole judgment judgment and making these kinds of judgments. And so we get to the end here and we see that he's still talking about judgments. But he had laid out these two paths, these two roads, if you will, these two gates that are before us. And he set them and he says, you make the choice. He does not make the choice for us. But he sets them out clear as day. I know some people might, might say, well, it's not always that clear. It's like, no, it is that clear. I don't care who it is. It is clear. There's always two choices. And he will not make that choice. But in the end, as we, we see here in that, the last portion of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus will be the final judge. And there's no fooling him. <laughs> not at all. We could fool one another, guys. We're so good at putting on a front, aren't we? We're so good at looking a certain way and putting our best foot forward in front of people oftentimes and doing things to be seen of men. But we can't fool Jesus when it comes to our hearts. He knows our hearts inside and out. That could be a scary thing or it could be a good thing <laughs> because he convicts our hearts. And having the Holy Spirit in our hearts all the time convicts our souls and our hearts when we're doing the things that we know we ought not be doing. That's who he is. But he is the final judge. And so when we look at verses 21 to 23, in that little portion where it says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, and done many wonders in your name? And then he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. What an interesting way to finish up this sermon, right? What an interesting way to do that. But then again, why wouldn't he finish it off this way? After all, he just got done telling us and sharing with us what really matters about this whole new kingdom. He has shared this all with us in his, in his word. And so he says, at the end, I get to judge it all. I will judge it. He has set out this, this new kingdom ethic or this new set of kingdom ethics. 
You see, they all had the opportunity that were sitting there before him. They, they had the opportunity to continue living by an outward religious kind of life that they had always been living because, again, they were Jews. Most Jews practiced the law, tried to practice the law, what they had been taught, and they could continue doing it, doing that. But Jesus comes on the scene. He says, I have a whole new way. He didn't come to destroy it. He came to fulfill it. And this is why the scribes and the Pharisees are having such a hard time with Jesus because he's, he's, he's undermining to a certain point, everything that they had been teaching because many of them knew that they were now doing the traditions of men rather than the true law. Because even in the Old Testament, we might not think, but the, the, the love was still involved in all of this. Grace was still involved in the Old Testament. Now Jesus comes on the scene and he's manifesting himself in love and grace and truth. And the religious leaders are having a hard time with that. And so he comes on the scene and says, this is a different way. I'm fulfilling what they have been teaching. Now, the the religious leaders had every opportunity as well to do what Jesus came to show them. But they fought against it. And that's where even some Christians, we can get so legalistic in some of the things that we that we've always done. And we need to be careful with that because we end up doing the tradition of men and not so much what the Word of God tells us to do. And I think that during the the, the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus was just freeing people up to have access to the Father and not just so much the priests, the religious leaders. And so he ups the ante even here once again. And he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, it was not what someone says or even what they do. It was about the motive of the heart. And you see, Jesus was looking straight into the hearts of the religious leaders and what they had been doing for hundreds of years. And he came to show them how He would fulfill the law. And they were rejecting it, rejecting it. Why? Because he was kind of of coming in and, and kind of disturbing the status quo. He was coming in and upending their little business that they had going. And they and they didn't want to change. Their hearts were staying the same. And later on he would say, Matt, outwardly you look great. But inwardly, you're, you, you have dead men's bones. You're dead on the inside. You see, Jesus was all about the motive of the heart, the inward intentions of what people were saying and what people were doing. And this was what the kingdom of heaven was all about. You see, it was a whole new mindset of what righteousness truly was. It was not just outwardly anymore. It was truly inwardly. And Jesus is the one that makes the decision there. You see, you still don't know my heart. You still can't see my motives. I want them to be pure. I truly do. I, I want everything that I do to be for His glory. 
But I know that even in, 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 in who I am, as much as I have a heart for that, I know that sometimes my motives are not pure. And Jesus sees those things. But he sees them in you too. He sees them in all of us. And that's why we have to be so dependent upon who he is because he knows us all too well. And that's why like in Psalm 139 where it says, search my heart, O Lord. Know my thoughts. Know my anxieties. Know everything about me. And whatever is not, you, not of you, just take it out of the way, Lord. And again, guys, when I'm sharing with you up here, man, my, my heart is, you know, I know my personality c- comes through, but I'm, oftentimes I'm going, Lord, whatever's not of you, just let it fall to the ground. Just let it fall to the ground, Lord God, and let your word and what your spirit wants to say truly to my brothers and sisters, to my peeps here, Lord, that it would truly just penetrate their hearts. Because I know me. And I know that sometimes my motives aren't always that pure. And so, again, that whole new mindset. You see, they were used to going through the motions. Man, that is a dangerous thing, isn't it? Just going through the motions because that's what we do. That's how we do it. And the warning here is that the religious things, even the godly things, can be done to be seen by men. As we learned in chapter 6, be careful. All of us, be careful. But Jesus, who is the righteous judge of the kingdom of heaven, sees what we do and why we do it. He sees why things are done. And he sees right through to the motive of the heart. And that's, that is where he judges in the heart. That's what this whole kingdom is all about. It's a matter of the heart. Because outwardly, man, we can do things that are amazing. And everybody sees them. But the righteous judge, he always looks at the heart first. No matter what the outside looks like. And I love that. Because again, some people judge us because of how we look. And yet Jesus looks at the heart first and foremost. We're told here that many, even from within the kingdom of heaven, that were saying that they were part of the kingdom of heaven, Many from within were saying, were, were prophesying in his name, casting out demons in his name, and doing wonders in his name. And yet, Jesus knows all the while that they are false prophets, as we learned last week. He knew their fruit, he knew what was deep down in their heart already. Now, I know that we would look at a verse like that and say, wow, but look, man, look at, look at what they did. They, they've done more than I could ever do. I'm not that spiritual or that, or that charismatic or whatever the case may be. And we might look at it and go, wow, man, but look at, look at what they did in your name, Lord. They prophesied. They cast out demons. They did many wonders in your name. But I would venture to say, that those that Jesus is talking about here never did the practical things, never did the simple things or the humble things. That was not in their DNA. They wanted to look the part, 
And they did outwardly. But Jesus looked at the DNA, what was truly in their heart, and says there is no practicality, no simplicity, and no humbleness in their lives. As he's been talking through, uh, to us throughout the Sermon on the Mount. He says, the one who does the will of the Father. The one who does the will of the Father. The one who is submitted to the Father. The one who is willing to give up his own will to do the will of the Father. In other, word, in, in other words, the one that has checked everything at the gate and said, here I am, Lord. Take it all. Take it all from me and make me brand new and then you give me whatever you need in my life. You see, they were not out for God's glory. They were out for their own glory. They were not out for the glory of the King of glory. And so you look at what they are claiming to have done, prophesied, cast out demons, did wonders or mighty works, which are not bad things. But you never hear that their claim was to be totally desperate for him. That they were totally dependent on him. You, you don't hear that claim about them. They weren't all about the kingdom ethics that Jesus has laid out or the law of love. They could not claim that they had ever turned the other cheek or went the extra mile. They were never able to claim that they loved or blessed or done good or did good and prayed for their enemy. They, 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 they never claimed to do that. You never see that in this portion. See, all those things that I just mentioned goes against who, who we are, spiritual or, or, or physically speaking, humanly speaking. It goes against our fiber, our every fiber, because when somebody hurts you, you want to hurt them back. And he's going, no, in my economy, you turn the other cheek. In my economy, you go the extra mile and you pray for your enemies. That's what you do. That's the way what sets you apart from everybody else. The Sermon on the Mount, understand this, guys, is not about doing great and mighty things. It is about doing the practical things, the simple things, and the humble things. And those so-called great things, they are a result of, and they accompany or follow those who do the practical, simple, humble things. Those things come, but that's not what we seek. And oftentimes, who he's talking about here, only seek the spectacular. Only seek what is big and huge. And Jesus is going, that's, that's not what my kingdom is all about. And yet, the result, the overflow of these great things should be the obedience that we've done in the first place. Because again, he's not against casting out demons. He's not against prophesying. He's not against doing great and mighty things. But those should be an overflow of what we've been doing in the practical and the simple and the humble things. Those are the kinds of things. And then when those things do happen, you never get the glory. <laughs> he gets the glory for all of it. 
oh, he uses people like us to do stuff like that. But he ends up getting the glory. It's all because of the obedience of, of, the, of, of, of his ethics. And when Jesus declares to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. He is talking to those who claimed that they belonged to him and to the kingdom. But they disregarded his commands. They disregarded them. They disregarded the royal love of the kingdom, which is love. First and foremost, love. And in that, they were lawless. They didn't allow themselves to be ruled by the kingdom ethics. Notice that Jesus didn't say here, I used to know you. He didn't say that. I once knew you. Remember? Remember I once knew you when, when you tried me out. <laughs> and it just didn't fit for your life. Remember when you used to know me? See, there is no used to. Oh, I used to know Jesus. It's like, no, you, you never knew. Or you might say that, but he would say, I never knew you. To him, it's never a used to. <laughs> it's either you know me or you don't know me. They may say they know him. And they may have done things in his name. But Jesus saw the motives of their actions, behind their actions. And he looked directly into the heart. And they even deceived their own hearts. Isaiah 29, 13 says, Therefore, the Lord says, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouth, and honor me with their lips, but have removed their hearts far from me. And their fear towards me is taught by the commandment of men. Second Timothy 3.5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying its power. And from such people turn away. Titus 1.16 They profess to know God, but in their but in works they deny him, being abominable, disobedient, and disqualified for every good work. This portion of the Sermon on the Mount should hit us pretty hard and penetrate our hearts. And I think that this, these are the types of scriptures when we read them, even if we know that we are in him, should be a good heart check. Lord, where, where am I really, truly, Lord? I mean, I hope you have those conversations with God. Because I, I, we can all deceive our own hearts. We, we, we can all think that we are, do, we are right where we're supposed to be. And yet when we, we look into the mirror or look into the word of God, it will convict us. I, I, again, man, when people say, oh, every time I read the Word, it just makes me feel so good. It's like, you must not be reading what I'm reading. Because <laughs> sometimes I read it, it's like, ah. And that's when you know that God is truly speaking to your heart because He shows you. It's a mirror. And you're going, whoa, Lord, I'm so far from you. 
As many years as I've been walking with you, Lord, I feel like I'm on square one once again because I read your word and I know what my thoughts are. My heart is sometimes and I'm going, oh, Lord. And we need to be that desperate for him, that desperate. I think when we think, oh, yeah, I got it made. I'm, I'm doing really good. It's like, ah, oh, be careful. All of this should always be a heart check. If we want the great things in our lives that we read about in the Word of God, those greater things that, we, that He said we will do, then continue to do what is practical, what is simple, and what is humble. And I can guarantee you, you will see God do great and amazing works in your life. When we, when we look at verses 24 to 27 here, it says, Therefore, Whatever, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock, on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them, will be likened to a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell. And great was its fall. Jesus finishes the Sermon on the Mount with a parable. It, it, this, is, this is a parable. He's liking likening our walks and, and this, this whole thing with two builders and two foundations. So he finishes it off very simply. With all that he has shared with us throughout the Sermon on the Mount, it boils down to this. You can hear what he says and do it, or you could hear what he says and not do it. It's not complicated. And it goes that way for us. We could read what he says and do it or not do it all the time. And I know that there's times in our lives that we just want to do what God wants us to do. And I could guarantee you most of the times because we are just in the word of God. Constantly, continually. It's, you're, it's dwelling in you richly, man. You're just going, Lord, I just want to do what, what you want me to do. And even in that, man, we're like totally failing. Or, or we could decide not to hear what he says and just try to, try to live one foot here and one foot there, you know, trying to, trying, to, trying to be on top of the fence. And I think I've shared this with you. Satan owns the fence. <laughs> he owns the fence too. But it's not complicated. He doesn't make us choose <laughs> And he doesn't make it complicated by giving us 5, 10, 15 choices. No, there's just two choices. And he is okay with your choice. If you're here and you're going, I don't know if I want that road. He's okay with your choice. He really is. Understand that. He's not going to make you. Oh, your parents or your friends or your family, they want to make you make that choice. But it's your choice. It really is. And he's okay with whatever cho choice you make. Not that he's calloused in any way. 
He just knows that he has done everything and given us everything to, to make it possible to make the right choice. The two foundations are set. They've already been set. They've always been set. One is on the sand, which is the kingdom of this world and this earth, which is the easy one. And the other one is, is on the rock. And that is the kingdom of heaven. And there's two builders. Simple as that. There's two builders. Those who do and don't do. He calls one wise, which means sensible, prudent, practical. And he calls the other foolish. The Greek word for the word foolish is moros, meaning dull or stupid, i.e. heedless, blockhead, absurd. Seriously, look it up in the Strong's. That's what it says. You blockhead? <laughs> No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I didn't call anybody blockhead. But but you know what what word we get from this Greek word? The word moron from. You had it right there. We get our word moron from this Greek word, being foolish. Now, some might think that that's a pretty strong word, and it is. And I think he, he meant it to be a strong word on purpose. Because he didn't use the word ignorant, not knowing. No, it's knowing and then picking the foolish one. It wasn't ignorant, unaware. He's made us aware. And so he knew the word that he was using here. And he meant it to be wise and he meant it to be foolish. He knew that the opportunity that he was giving man for the right foundation would be wise. And if you picked the other foundation, it would be foolish. It says, and great was its fall for the foolish one. It, it, it was great because eternity hung in the balance. And knowing they, knowing that, they chose destruction. They chose their own glory. They chose those things that were temporal, that were earthly. They chose those things, and he says it plainly here, that would lead to hell. And in reality, there is no way that God could ever be accused of sending anyone to hell. Anyone. He has done all. He has done it all. He has gone all the way. <laughs> he has made the way through the one who calls himself the way to have access to the Father. Jesus is the king of his kingdom. And he gets to set the ethics in place. He gets to set his standards, his principles, his morals. And he has every right to do that. If we choose or if we have chosen to receive the kingdom of heaven here on earth and for all eternity, then we have to accept his ethics, his kingdom ethics. We have to. 
We do not have the right to try and keep our old ethics. We do not have the right to try and change his ethics. If you want your own way, then go through the wide gate. He's okay with that. Because you're not going to come in and try to change him. You can't. If you want your own ethics, stay on that broad way. The Sermon on the Mount, guys, is probably one of the most amazing portions of Scripture. One of my favorite portions. And it is life-changing. It truly is. I, I, I wish we could read this all the time. You should. You should read it at least once a year. It's an amazing portion. And as believers, we ought to know what it teaches. Not so we can go preach it to, to the masses so that you could live it in your life daily. Very practically, very simply, very humbly. And then we are to just do it. <laughs> we are to do what it teaches and what it says. Jesus didn't make it difficult to understand. He made it very practical, very simple, and very humble. It is hard to do. It really is. I, I, I'm not going to sugarcoat that. <laughs> it does go against our grain, and it goes against every fiber of our being. But then again, He's given you His Holy Spirit to be able to do it. That's how good He is on top of that. And He did that on purpose, guys. He really did. There is the way of the world. And there is the way of those who are not of the world, but have to live in the world. And if you fall under the name of a disciple of Christ, you are not of this world. You have to live in it, but you don't have to be of it. You don't have to let it penetrate who you are. Because he will insulate you in such a way. I was just hearing this the other day and I just thought it was fascinating that, that a fish who lives in salt water, you would expect that when they serve it up to you, you wouldn't have to put salt on it. <laughs> but you do. Because it's insulated from all the salt water that it lives in. And that's what Christ does for us. Amen? Let me read these last two verses in the Amplified, verses 28, 29. It says, When Jesus had finished these sayings, the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds were astonished and overwhelmed with bewildered wonder at his teachings. For he was teaching as one who had and was authority and not as did the scribes. Why wouldn't the people, why wouldn't the people, the crowds, be astonished and overwhelmed with bewilderment at what he taught? After all, it was the very word of God teaching them the very word of God. I want to close up with these verses over in, in, uh, in John chapter 1. It says from uh, chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, nothing was made that was made. In Him was life, and the life 
was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness did not comprehend it. Verse 9. What was that true light which gives light to every man coming into the world? He was in the world and the world was made through him. And the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of men, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And we get to be in his kingdom. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for all that you've taught us through the Sermon on the Mount, Lord. God, I, we humble ourselves before you. Lord, it, it is a tall order, a, a huge task. But Lord, you've given us your spirit. And for those of us, Lord, who call ourselves Christian, who call ourselves followers, disciples, Lord, help us. Help us to live by your standards by your principles, by your morals, by your ethics, O oh Lord. We want to please you and you only, Lord. We want to do those things that are, that are pure. We want to do all that we can with a pure motive, Lord. Convict our hearts when we don't. And help us to repent, Lord, constantly. Thank you for being so good to us, so faithful. If there's anyone in this room this morning, maybe, maybe as we read that portion of scripture, you're going, whoa, would that be me if I cried out, Lord, Lord, and he said, I never knew you. He knows your heart. I don't. And you could have been, been sitting here for weeks, months, years. It's okay. If you truly need Jesus, ask him to forgive you right now. I just want to pray for you. If you're here and you need Jesus, just slip your hand up and I just want to pray for you there anyone would say, I need Jesus in my life. Don't leave here without him. He loves you so much. Amen. Maybe you just need to rededicate your life and go, Lord, man, oh man, I feel so far away. Father, I pray for those, Lord God, in this room right now, Lord, even those who raise their hand because they, they, they know that they're not where they're supposed to be. Lord Jesus, please minister to them. Remind them of all the work that you have done already, Lord. And there's nothing good in us, Lord, except you, Jesus. And so, Lord, thank you, Lord. Help us, Lord God, as we go out into this world, that, Lord, we may live by your kingdom, that others may see it and desire who you are because of us, Lord. Thank you that you use people like us. So help us to be salt, help us to be light as we go out into this world, Lord. We bless you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.